The following for the city sermon is from our sermon series by Pastor Scott Rising entitled Feast for Failures from the book of Luke. We hope you enjoy it. So today's sermon is entitled The Power of Prayer. Have you heard that phrase before? There's power in prayer. I, I think of He-Man. Uh, do you remember He-Man? I've got the power. No? Okay. Um, anyway, so you remember? Some of the old guys remember He-Man, yeah. So, the power of prayer. Now, I put power in quotes because this whole phrase, power of prayer, power in prayer, I believe in Christian circles is overused. Um, I think people throw it out there way too much. I think, I think also that uh, it could be misused in a way. Uh, but you hear this all the time. I hear this in, in, my, in the hospice side of things, because you guys know I'm a chaplain uh, for the hospice program. And I hear people all the time, lost people, people that are de-churched all the time say, well, pastor, you know, uh, I believe in the power of prayer. And, uh, and I'm, I, like, I go, wow, okay, cool. Tell me more about that. But they don't have any clue what they're talking about. Uh, it becomes this almost, um, we'll say, mystical mumbo-jumbo uh, that, that basically we call on God to manifest our best life now. And so it becomes a little bit strange. And so, I, the, yes, there's power in prayer. I believe it. The power of prayer. There's power in prayer. Absolutely. But I think we need to be very careful what we mean by that. Uh, because once again, it's overused or misused. Uh, you know, it, it's almost as if God is this, I think I said this in my sermon a couple weeks ago, uh, it's almost as if God is a cosmic genie that grants your three wishes if you just rub the prayer lamp the right way. Or you just put in your little token of faith in the one-armed bandit in the sky and you get all, you know, Whatever your dreams are, he'll make them come true, uh, kind of thing. And so this is, sometimes this is what people mean by there's power. Sometimes the power of prayer means that I, if I just say the right words, and if I just clean myself up enough, if I just use the perfect formula with a perfect faith, then God will do whatever I ask him to do. And sometimes people, that's what they mean by the power of prayer. Actually, I, did a, I had an emergency hospice situation yesterday, and uh, I reported back to my, my managers, and uh, I said, this is, you know, I prayed for this lady, um, and it went really well, and uh, so I'm giving you an update, how I prayed for her, what she asked me to pray for, and as I was preparing, uh, tightening up the sermon yesterday, I get the email back, and it says, one of my managers says, I believe it, there's power in prayer, and I was like, whoa, there it is again, uh, but what do, we, what do we really mean by that? Often we make it a very me-centered, human-centered, if I just say the right words, perfect faith, perfect person, and if I just rub that genie the right way in prayer, that I'll get my best life now. So I hope that I'm preaching to the choir when I say this, but the power of prayer does not lie in who you are and what you do, but in the character and work of your heavenly father. It's not about you. Indirectly, yes, because you're praying, you're asking. But the power, the power of prayer does not lie in you and what you do, but in the character and work of your heavenly father, who, here's the good news, church, who is more than willing and more than able 
to meet your real needs. And I, I qualify the need part, right? Because we heard that over the last few weeks. Your real needs. Not what you think you need sometimes. Maybe it is what you think you need. And once again, just like you heard me say a couple weeks ago, pray for anything and everything. But the power of prayer lies in God, right? And uh, you're probably expecting that this morning. You're probably thinking, well, yeah, that's obvious. Well, let's talk about it a little bit more this morning. That's the point of today. And hopefully this will encourage you as a church and as these men come up in just a little bit, hopefully it will encourage you and exhort you to pray with full assurance to your heavenly Father who offers his power and his love to you as you pray. So Acts 1, 1 through 14. So actually, you, once again, you may be thinking, why are we in Acts? Well, if you, if you look at verses 1 and 2 of chapter 1 of Acts, you'll see that Acts is actually part 2 of Luke's writing to his buddy Theophilus. We don't really know who Theophilus is, but we, knew, we do know that Luke wrote the gospel of Luke, his gospel, to Theophilus so that Theophilus would, would, with full assurance, know who Jesus is and trust him. And then in the book of Acts, this is actually part two to Theophilus. Part two to Theophilus. He says this, and actually opens up part two, which is the book of Acts, addressing the first letter. And I'm going to paraphrase this a little bit, but if you look at Acts 1, 1 through 2, he basically says, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. That's the gospel of Luke. So that you are to understand that now in this second letter, the second part, which is the book of Acts, that I'm, I'm dealing with what Jesus continues to do through his spirit and through his people, the church. Actually, verses 1 through 2 give us an update also on what's been happening from the end of the Gospel of Luke uh, all the way up to this moment in time where we find ourselves in the passage we, we have today. If we look at these verses with me real quickly, let's read again verses 1 through 3. It says, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So only 40 days have transpired between the resurrection um, where he appears to these folks uh, and what we find in Acts chapter 1. But this is where we find ourselves. And now that we've spent these disciples, if you, if you can just kind of understand kind of where they're at, they've just spent three years with Jesus, following him, being instructed by him, being discipled by him. They've witnessed his life, his death, his resurrection. It's been, there's been ups and downs, right? Uh, death being what? The down. And then he's resurrected. So they've witnessed all of this. And now they've been taught for 40 days about the kingdom of God after the resurrection. Can you imagine these men after three years experiencing his life, death, 
resurrection, I would imagine that they are chomping at the bit to get going, to start doing something. Let's go, Jesus. Is this the time? I mean, we've, we've done all this. We've seen your power. Now, is this the time uh, to go and to do all that you've taught us, all that you've called us to do? But Jesus, knowing their hearts like he knows our hearts, because we, we're, we're doers at the end of the day. We just want to, you know, what do I do? What, what should I be doing? But Jesus, knowing their hearts, pumps the brakes a bit. We see this in, verses, in verse 4. He pumps the brakes a bit and says these, uh, this in verses 4 and 5. Let's look at that again together. It says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. Now remember, these are guys that are probably ready to go. He's got them primed. Is this, the day, is this when we go and be your witnesses? And he orders them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to what? Wait. And wait for what? Wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So there, I would imagine they're chomping at the bit to go and to do something. But Jesus says, before you do anything, before you go, wait. Before you go, wait. So Jesus pumps the brakes a bit. He says, wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit, especially before you do anything else. And how, I mean, once again, Jesus knows my heart. I'm a doer. I, I want to go and do. If I've seen the power of God in my life, if, if I'm inspired to, uh, to follow Christ and to be on mission with him and, and all sorts of things, then often I just want to go and do. Jesus says, wait before you go and do. Look at Acts chapter 1 verse 6 with me. You know, this is a funny question here. Look at verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So once again, they're, they're kind of going, okay, now? <laughs> now are we, yes, we'll wait, but is, is this now the time? And he says, that, he says to them, once again, he's pumping the brakes a bit. He says, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses. So there, there it is again. You have the disciples saying, is now the time? And before we judge these disciples too quickly, because I think there was a day back in the day where I would look at the disciples and go, you guys are a bunch of knuckleheads. You know, you've just seen his life, his death, his resurrection, and I get it, you're chomping at the bit to go, and, but you're still asking these questions. But I don't, think, I don't think that's fair because if you look at, these are first and foremost men of the Old Testament. And if you look at Ezekiel chapter 39, verse 25 and 29, God prophesies through his word that there will be a day where he will pour out his spirit upon the house of Israel. So there is some background and context 
for them to be asking this question. And not only that, if you look at Luke chapter 22, verses 29 through 30, Jesus says that you'll, to the, these disciples, you'll actually be judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So there's these two conversations, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that give some background or context for the question that these disciples are asking. Is now the time? Can we go? Can we do? Is this now the time that you're going to do all that you said you were going to do, both in the Old Testament and just even 50 days ago? Unlike Jesus, or unlike me, Jesus doesn't criticize their theology like I did back in the day. I used to think they were a bunch of knuckleheads, but Jesus doesn't do that. He does not criticize their theology. There's not one whiff of criticism of their theology. In fact, the theology is going to be picked up on in Acts chapter 3, and uh, Scott will be preaching that in, I don't, know, <laughs> I don't know, a year or two, something like that. So hang on, you'll have to wait a year or two. All Jesus does, though, is look upon them with tenderness and kindness and understanding and says, you just got one thing wrong, guys, the timing. You're right to think that in the end times, the Holy Spirit is poured out, which is, in fact, what's going to happen according to the Old Testament. You're right to think that there will be a great ingathering and a great restoration of the kingdom. been talking about it for 40 days with you. You're just wrong to think that it has to happen in a few years or a few weeks or a few months or even today. He simply says to them in Acts chapter 1 verse 7, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Once again, maybe it sounded something like this. You got a lot right, guys. Um, you got a lot right. Kingdom is coming. The Holy Spirit is coming. Power is going to be outpoured. There's going to be a great ingathering, great consummation is on the way. I don't want to pop that bubble for you. I don't want to pull the plug for you. You just got your timing wrong. But you've got something right. Power is coming. And that's what, where we find ourselves in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Once again, I, he said, he's basically saying, I'm not trying to pop your bubble, disciples. I'm not trying to pull the plug on what you're saying. You're right. Preach it. The Holy Spirit is coming. Go. But first, wait for power. That would be difficult for me. It is difficult for me. I would rather, when we're planting a church for the city or whatever it may be, so often Scott and I want to just go and do. And then we go to passages like this that, where Jesus says, yes, plant the church, preach the gospel to all nations, plant churches, go to Greensburg, all of that. Kids ministry, whatever it may be, even right now. But wait first. Wait and Scott and I just go, oh, really? Because we know, you know, Jesus, we know how to do this stuff. We've been doing ministry for 30 years. We, we know how to draw a crowd. We know how to market. We know how to, do, we know how to do programs. You name it, we know how to do it. We can have a 500-member church today. And Jesus says, wait. <laughs> wait for me. And we just go, oh. As a matter of fact, Scott and I had that same conversation this week. 
And we were talking about kids' ministry and some other things, and, and I just brought up to him, I said, you know, we, we, we ride that razor's edge all the time of pushing the church forward, yet waiting. There's this tension that we always feel. And it is my conviction that every church should, be, should live in that tension. The problem is that there are many churches a day that either go, go one extreme or other. They just go full board. And they have a, you know, a mega church. All the programs, everything you would ever want or wish for. And you've got mega churches that are probably riding that tension. So I don't want to throw them under the bus. But you just got two extremes, you know. And, but we ride this tension. I'm just sharing with you. We ride this tension as your pastors to move forward, yet wait for power. The way Scott says it, I think you've heard this before, we could build the boat, the church, we could put up the sail, but if we start blowing into the sail, we're not going to get very far. We need real wind with real power to blow this thing. Anything else is fake momentum. We want spirit-led, spirit-filled momentum. We want God a part of this because if we build this, failure. I mean, we could even build it. And in 30 years, look back and go, what have we just done? (laughs) That's why our mission statement is so important. It anchors us to our mission, right? That's why waiting is so important because we want, we know, we have the word, but Holy Spirit, we need you to blow. We need you to work. We need you to give us power to, and we need wisdom to decide. You know, we need wisdom to decide what should we do? What should we not do? When should we do it? How should we do it? And with what power should we do it? This whole church planting pastor thing is not for the faint of heart. Because we, I'll speak from, once again, pastor's perspective, we love the Lord. And we love you. And we want what's best for you. And we want what's best for us, which is waiting and waiting for the Holy Spirit to bring the power and wisdom and strength that we need as we move forward. Making sense, Kapish? So, in verses 9 through 14, we see that Jesus ascends, and they do what he says. You know, he said, don't go go back to Jerusalem and wait. Don't go anywhere. Don't do anything and just wait. So they go back. He ascends. They go back to Jerusalem, and they go to the upper room. Remember the upper room? And they wait for power. But as they're waiting, look at the verses. It says in verse 14, while they are waiting for power, they are devoting themselves to one another. We see this all throughout the book of Acts, devoting themselves to one another and devoting themselves to prayer. It says they were were in, uh, what's the verse before I butcher it? Verse 14, all these, the disciples, with one accord, that's not a Honda accord, that's for Jake back there. He likes these, these dad jokes. Accord, they're in one accord. They are, they are devoting themselves to one another. There's unity of mission. 
There's unity in relationship, and there's unity of prayer. So they are, you know, waiting does not look like, this is where Scott and I are at and where you're at as a church. We don't just, waiting, we don't just do this and just wait for lightning to strike. We don't just sit back and wait for a big sign to come up. As we're waiting, yeah, we're doing. But we're, we're anticipating. We're, we're walking very slowly as we do. And as we do, guess what we're doing? We're preaching. We're worshiping. We're praying. We have missional communities. There are some things that we are doing as we wait for God and his spirit to give us the power that we need to continue doing. So they go back and they, they go back, they go to the upper room, they devote themselves to prayer. And we know from uh, Acts 2 that the promise is fulfilled. The Holy Spirit comes. It's an extraordinary, miraculous, it's called Pentecost. It's where the Holy Spirit comes upon the, earth, the early church and fills them. You can read that in Acts chapter 2. So the promise of power is not an empty promise. It's a promise that is fulfilled for these people. So with all that in mind, what does this mean for us today? Uh, does, this, does this moment in Acts chapter 1 apply to us today? Or does it merely just describe Pentecost or the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the early church? Well, it's a little bit of both. So let's look at the main point. Get your maps with me real quick. Go ahead and read the main point. And what I want to do is, I think you'll see some of the phrases in this main point in the text that we just read and some of the exposition that I just gave, right? It says, the Father promises the Holy Spirit's power to those united in Christ who wait for him by devoting themselves as with one voice in united prayer. I think that main point, even though there's more going on in this section of Scripture, I think this really gives a good summary of what's happening, and also it gives a good summary for us today. The Father promises, you see that in verse 4, if you go back to the Scriptures and look. The Father promises in verse 4, the Holy Spirit's power in verse 5. To those united in Christ, verse 14, who wait for him, back to verse 4. By devoting themselves as with one voice in united prayer, back to verse 14 again. So you have this, verse 4 and verse 14, almost like bookends to this main point that you find in the map today. If we look at these phrases, church, one at a time and how they fit together. My hope is that we're encouraged once again to pray with full assurance in the power and love of God that is for us. So let me just give a few observations based on that main point. The Father promises. Point number one, the Father promises. You know, even though this moment describes the fulfillment of a one-time specific, extraordinary Pentecost uh, kind of thing, uh, we also receive the promise as we put our faith in Christ. The Bible's very clear that if you put your faith in Christ, if you're in Christ today, by his grace through, through, through faith, you are saved. 
And not only you're saved, you're adopted, and not only you are adopted, you are filled with the Holy Spirit, who is your guarantee, is what the Bible says, who is the seal that seals you for heaven and that empowers you as well. If you look at Luke eleven thirteen, that we just talked about last week, and if you look at John 14, 16, and John 14, 26, it's very, very clear that the Father gives you this promise of his presence through the Holy Spirit because he does not want you to feel like you're alone. He does not want to leave you alone. He's not a, he's not a deistic God who wound up the universe and let it go and then backs away and says, now you guys take care of it. The theological term is imminent. He's imminent. Yes, he's transcendent. He's holy. He's separate. But he's also imminent. He promises you himself. Second observation. And this promising of himself is the Holy Spirit. Because of his heart, listen to me, church. Let me see your eyes. Because of his heart for you, because he does not want to leave you alone, he sends his spirit to reside within you by grace through faith. In verse 5, that word Holy Spirit's power, is, it's a word in Greek called dunamis. Okay, it's where we get the word dynamo from. And dynamo is an older term uh, that back in the day in cars, uh, you know, you have a battery in your car that has a little bit of juice. Okay? But today, the alternator in your car make sure that the battery continues to get charge and juice. Well, before the alternator came about, back in the, what, the 50s or the 60s, cars had what was called a dynamo. And a dynamo gave energy and power to the, we'll say, the dead battery. Okay? And so we're, we're not dead batteries. We have a little bit of life. But guess what? We need the Holy Spirit just like an alternator or a dynamo just like that gives juice to the battery and keeps the battery going with power and strength, we, just like that, we need the Holy Spirit to empower us daily and regularly. He's our dynamo. So when we talk about Holy Spirit's power, that word power means dunamis, power that you don't have, that he has, and that if, you, if you're in Christ and abide in him, he gives to you. This is a gift, folks. This is, so church, you can, when we pray in just a few moments, you can trust his heart for you when you pray. You can also trust his power is available to you. He's your dunamis, he's your dynamo. So as you pray, when we pray in just a few moments, trust his heart for you, trust his power for you, ask him. Ask him for his presence, ask him for his power. Ask him to be your dynamo. <laughs> um, another observation to those united in Christ. You know, this is a gift. When you, when you receive, if you're in Christ, when you receive Christ by grace through faith, the, the Bible says you are clothed with righteousness. Not your own righteousness. You're clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Therefore, when God sees you, he doesn't see your sin. He sees the righteousness of Christ. This is the good news of the gospel because you, what you could not provide for yourself, God did for you in and through Christ. By grace through faith, God comes and he puts the robe of Christ on you. He clothes you 
with Christ. It's a gift of clothing, a gift of righteousness. But not only that, he gives you the gift of power. There's actually scripture that says that we are clothed, not just with Christ and righteousness, but because of Christ, we are clothed with power. It's a, it's a gift of clothing, in a sense. But this clothing is a person, the person of Christ and the person of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, by the way, is not an it. It's not a force. The Holy Spirit is a person, a real person. Jesus is a real person. And because of what they have done in your life for those who are in Christ, you're not clothed with righteousness, but you're also clothed with power. And that unites us, not just to Christ and the Holy Spirit, that unites us to one another in prayer. So church, you can also trust that he will clothe you with grace and power today as you pray. Full assurance. Another observation. Ooh, running out of time. Who wait for him? So the three observations that I just gave you, that's what he does. Verse four, Jesus says, wait. So what should you do? Well, when we pray in just a moment, what we're doing when we're praying is we're saying, yeah, we're, we're not just going to twiddle our thumbs. We're not just going to be apathetic and not do anything. But as we do these things, we're going to pray and we're going to wait. We're going to have a posture that says, God, we can't do this without you. That's what you're saying when you pray. It's going to have to be a work of your spirit. So we wait. Part of praying is waiting. It's all throughout scripture. I, and some of you this morning said, I've waited a long time for God to answer these prayers. There, there is beauty in waiting because there's dependence, there's trust, there's, there's you not being impatient but saying, God, I, I'm just going to keep coming to and trusting your love for me. There's beauty in waiting. It's hard. I, I, it's hard. I'm still waiting for a specific prayer request from my family that hasn't happened, and I just keep going. I keep praying. I keep waiting and say, Lord, I just... I trust that your heart is for me. I trust that your power is available to me. I trust that I'm clothed in Christ. I'm your kid. I have your spirit within me. So I'm, I'm going to keep doing. I'm going to keep going to church. I'm going to keep listening to the word. I'm going to keep worshiping. I'm going to keep witnessing. I'm going to keep working. All those W's that I've preached before, working, waiting, witnessing, all those kinds of things. I'm going to keep waiting, and I'm going to trust in your perfect timing and your perfect activity. So church, when we pray in just a few moments, pray with the full assurance of all the things we've just talked about, but also that he will show up in his perfect timing with his perfect answer. You can trust him. Last observation, devoting themselves to prayer. This literally means they spent a lot of time in community with one another. They devoted themselves to one another. They devoted themselves to prayer. Uh, that word uh, devoted uh, basically means, and, and also if you combine that with waiting, it's like saying, okay, we're going to prepare our house in prayer for, to await your coming, your activity. 
And as we do that, we're going to also, as we're prepping the house, so to speak, like if you were waiting for an important guest to come to your house, right? We're, we're getting things ready. We're praying. But part of that waiting is we're also spending a lot of time in community with one another and in prayer together. And we're, we're awaiting your arrival. That's what these words mean, literally. Church, you can trust God to keep his promises because these are blood-bought promises. The promises that you find in the word of God have been bought for you through Jesus Christ. Once again, they're not based on who you are and what you've done. They're based on who Christ is and what he's done for us. And then if you read in closing here, if you look at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, we don't have time today, but look at them later. This is why we pray. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. I encourage you to read that later. In other words, we're asking God to show up in a big way to bring about his good work in and through us for our good, for the good of our city, and for his glory. Church, he will do it. He will do it. So, based on what we've read today and based on the point that we're drawing from the scriptures today, when we pray, when Eli comes and then Ryan comes and then Levi comes to lead us in prayer, if you don't have full assurance in your heavenly father to give good gifts to his kids, that may be your prayer today. But church, trust the Lord. If you're in full assurance of faith today, then ask for big things. Ask for his spirit. Ask for all that he has for you. Because he's a good dad. He's a good father who says, ooh, one little quick story, and then we'll finish. There were, there were two, I'll end with this. There were two movies called The King and I. Does anyone seen The King and I? The first one way back in the day was with Yul Brenner, Baldy, Baldy kind of guy. So forget that one, all right? The second one, the second one was with, I can't remember his name, not Jackie Chan, but some guy. And uh, so in, in the movie, okay, this king, strong, authoritative, separated from his people, his people fear him. Now, I'm not saying this breaks down at some point, right? So I'm not saying you need to fear God necessarily. But he's this very strong king. Everyone, he's in his throne room. He's in his court. He's up on his throne. All his people are bowed before him, okay? They're all going, they don't even want to look at him. They back up whenever they leave his presence, that kind of thing. You get it? Capiche? You understand what I'm saying? All of a sudden, there's a commotion at the back of the throne room. Huge commotion, and everyone goes, oh, oh no. Someone really messed up, okay? And all of a sudden, you see this little kid, boy or girl, I can't remember, runs up the aisle, okay, with, with no shame at all, while everyone else is like this, runs up the aisle, jumps in the king's lap, and gives the king a big hug. And everyone goes, oh, crap. I should have said crap two times in one Everyone says, oh, no. But the moral of the story is that it was the son's kid or the king's kid. 
right? While everyone else is bowing down, the kid runs up with no shame, jumps in his or her dad's lap and hugs the king. And the king says, come on, I'll give you anything you want. This is the picture. Your heavenly father, you can run boldly to the throne of grace. Give your father a hug and say, with full assurance, God, give me more of yourself. Give me what I need. Give this church what it needs. Give this city what it needs. That's what we're doing today when we pray. So once again, I'm going to ask Eli to come. He'll lead us in prayer. And then Ryan will follow. And then Levi will follow him. And then I'll lead us in communion after that. Okay? All right. Good morning, everyone. Uh, So I'm just going to have you open up to Luke 11. Uh, Me, Ryan, and Levi will all be reading little little sections of that. So open up to Luke 11. Keep it open there. Uh, I'm going to be reading verses 1 and 2. Okay, and then we're going to pray based on verses 1 and 2, okay? So now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. So if you were here three weeks ago, whenever Scott was preaching through this section, uh, he was... He brought up Ezekiel chapter 36, where in that, the Lord is the one who's promising and assuring that he is committed to his name being great and his name being magnified. Uh, And the thing that was the most striking and humbling to me um, is that he often uses us to accomplish that. He uses us to accomplish that as we make disciples who submit their lives to him. Uh, he, he shows his goodness and his glory in his grace by accepting people who are broken and sinful. And so that's primarily what we're going to be praying for today, what I'm going to be praying for. And I'm going to ask that you join me, that the church here in Greensburg, the big C church here in Greensburg and across the world would commit themselves to glorifying God by making disciples who make disciples. So join me as I pray. Oh, Father, we thank you uh, for your word and for the promises that you give us in your word and the promise of your Holy Spirit that um, 2,000 years ago was given to your disciples as power um, and is the same Holy Spirit that is alive in us today in this room um, and who goes with all of us. Um, God, we pray today for your church all across the world, and primarily in other nations. Um, Lord, we know that there are places that loving you and serving you comes with a price, and it is dangerous. And there are churches that are experiencing a lot of persecution by submitting themselves to you, um, where it is unsafe to live as a disciple of Jesus. And so, Lord, I ask that you would give them comfort, God, that you would give them peace, that you would help them to count the cost of what it means to follow you and that you would let them see that you are worthy of all of their life and that you are worthy even of their death. God, that they would live boldly, um, unashamedly of persecution, um, that they would 
live to serve you and to love you, even if it means being hurt for it. Um, Lord, we know that there are also people, uh, other nations, people groups, who have never heard you, who don't know of your saving grace, who don't know of your love and your forgiveness. Um, and Lord, we ask that you would send people who are committed to that, who are committed to and passionate about reaching lost people um, with the word who have never heard it. Um, and w we know that that honors you and that that glorifies you. And so we ask that you would accomplish that once again by using us to give our lives um, and that you would continue to call people overseas uh, to share your goodness and to share of your grace. Lord, we pray for the churches here in Greensburg. And we know that there are a lot of churches, uh, great churches and lovely people. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would unite all of us in Greensburg around your gospel, um, that there wouldn't be competition, uh, but that we would all strive to, um, to preach the word and to live as disciples of Christ um, who show that you are a happy and joyful God. Um, Lord, that as we interact with our neighbors, that you would help us to, to live out uh, what it looks like to be a disciple. Um, and that we too would be bold with the gospel uh, to the people in our city who don't know you because there are so many people. And Lord, that's why I thank you for For the City. Um, and I thank you for the gift that For the City has been to my life uh, and to many lives in this room. Um, and our mission statement is very intentional, that we, would make this, that we would magnify you by making disciples who share and show the transforming power of the gospel and by planting churches that multiply. And God, we're asking that that's what you accomplish in and through us. Um, that the people in this room and the people who are listening um, would love you with everything that they have, that we would surrender our lives to you, uh, that you would empower us to live boldly and to live on mission, knowing that there are people in Greensburg who do not know you, but who you have called and who you have forgiven. And all they need to do is hear your voice and hear you call. Uh, Lord, we are humbled that you use us to do that. And we're humbled that you use us in Greensburg to do that. And you help, And we ask that you would help us by the power of your Holy Spirit uh, to be good ambassadors for the gospel, bold ambassadors for the gospel. And God, that we would unashamedly show people what following Christ, what following Christ looks like and that you are a happy God who loves to glorify himself by saving people who are lost in their wickedness and in their sin. And we thank you that you've done that for all of us in here today. And we ask that you continue to do that in and through us and that you would help us to reach people who don't know you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I'm going to read verses 3 and 4 from uh, Luke chapter 11. So if you're still there, in verse 3. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. Um, in the sermon that Pastor Kevin preached a couple weeks ago, um, he talked about a few points with provision, protection, and pardon. 
And for me, um, understanding provision, that's a, that's a good thing, that's an easy thing for me to ask for, is I, would, I want to be provided for. And for protection against temptation, um, yes, I, I want to be protected in that way. Um, but for pardon, it feels um, a little bit heavier in weight um, because that, there's that repentance piece. And um, what I want to pray for this morning and what I want us all to come together to pray for is the goodness that is provided to us in forgiveness, um, that we are washed fully clean. Um, and so I, I want to pray that we all as a church understand the depth of forgiveness, the goodness of forgiveness, um, and that that would uh, press out into the city as well and out into the world so that all would understand the forgiveness that is offered to them. So let's pray together. <clears throat> oh, Father, it's so good to, um, to call you Father and to be able to just come to you and just ask for things that you allow us and make a way for us and look forward to us coming to you and talking to you and praying to you and asking. So thank you for making a way. Thank you for giving us access. Thank you, thank you for sending your son to live a perfect life and to take on the wrath that we deserve um, and resurrecting, making a way so that we can come to our Father at any time as the Spirit dwells within us. And so Father, I just uh, I thank you for that accessibility that you have. Um, and I want to call us as a church um, towards not only repentance this morning, Father, but that we would fully and deeply understand forgiveness because we do have such a warped understanding of relationship, um, of how to navigate life together as we hold on to grudges and as we feel as though we're not fully forgiven here amongst the relationships that we have together. Um, but your forgiveness is pure, and if we're in Christ this morning, if we've accepted Jesus as our Savior, we are totally and completely clean. And so, Father, I just pray for everybody here in this room, myself included, that the unbelief that we have, that perhaps we are not fully forgiven, or that we've just done something that no one would understand, or that uh, maybe there's just one thing that I'm not forgiven for because I just feel too much weight of it. Father, would you help to crush that unbelief that's among us this morning, that we would know that uh, you have done it all. Um, for anybody who feels that they have to work for your forgiveness, that they have to do something and earn your forgiveness, that you would just crush that as well, and that we would just enjoy the fact that you have done it all, and all we have to do is just receive the goodness of your forgiveness this morning. Uh, Father, I just pray f um, that that would excite us, embolden us, that we would feel clear and, and saved and clean, and that we would be able to take that out <laughs> into the city around us and, and declare the goodness of Jesus. Um, Lord, would you just help us to interact with the people that we see every single day, the people in our city and the surrounding cities, um, our family, our friends. Um, would you, would you help us to tell of the gospel, of what Jesus has done? As we see people and we interact with them and we know the weight that they're carrying um, without hope, as there's so many people who are walking around without hope, would you embolden us to tell them of Jesus who provides a way so that they are fully and completely forgiven? Uh, forgiveness is such a gift, and we ask for it this morning. And, and Father, I just pray for um, all those people who we will never have contact with, who are in every state, country, continent, all around the world, 
Father, we'll never be able to reach them, uh, but I pray that you will make yourself known among all the nations and all the tribes, that you will continue to send out people who will teach of the gospel, who will teach of this, this beautiful forgiveness that is offered to them, um, and that you would just make yourself known, reveal yourself more uh, to, to those who need to hear the good news, um, that no matter what, we have a grace that covers all, all sins, um, we, are, we are wiped fully clean that when, that when we die and we stand before you in the courtroom of heaven, you look at us as fully righteous if we have accepted you as our Savior. You see no fault uh, and you love us. <clears throat> so, I, Father, I just pray for anyone in this room this morning who would struggle with that, um, that, they would f- that they would truly come to know the goodness that you have offered to them. Um, and, Father, I also do pray for... Uh, for your provision that you would provide for those around us, for ourselves, for those in the world who just need um, whatever it is given daily, their daily bread, whatever is needed that you would provide and that you would help to save us from any temptation that we do face. Um, Help us to sanctify and look more like you and that our prayer lives and our walking life would look more like you um, so we can fully enjoy the goodness of walking beside you every day. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Good morning. I'm going to read uh, Luke chapter 11, verses 5 to 13. If you're still there, you can read with me. Um, Verse 5. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Uh, Last week in Scott's sermon, he brought up a verse in Ephesians chapter 3 that I'm also going to read this morning, uh, specifically uh, verses 18 and 19, though he referenced 14 to 20. Um, So I'm going to read that uh, real quick too. This is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18. Um, May have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So this morning, specifically, what I want to pray for and ask you to join me in praying for is um, that we would... um, have the strength to more fully comprehend um, what is the breadth, length, height, and depth um, of the love of Christ and what that means for us as we uh, walk together. So if you'll join me in prayer. Lord, um, we thank you for your love, and we thank you for the immense sacrifice of love that you um, gave to each one of us that are in this room this morning um, that have put our faith and belief in you. Lord, so um, as we pray together, um, Father, I ask and 
um, we ask together that you would um, give us strength to more fully comprehend um, the love that you have for us because, Lord, you, you loved us whenever we were unlovable, whenever we were running away from you and didn't want anything to do with you um, and hated your name. Lord, you still ran after us and you loved us more. You loved us despite ourselves. Father, we thank you for that. There is no greater love um, than what you showed us by sending your son to die on the cross for our sins. So, Father, please just open our eyes to that beauty and that, that love that you have given us. Um, Lord, also that we can call you Father. And as Pastor Kevin said, we can just run down um, while everyone else might be afraid. And um, even when we're afraid sometimes too, we can just run to you as a little child and boldly ask um, because we know that you love us and you are good. Lord, you call us to ask, um, to seek, and to knock. Um, so, Father, I ask this morning that you would, um, because of that love that you have poured out on us, just cause us to run to you in all situations and in any trial or any um, problem that we face. Um, Lord, you know all of our earthly needs and situations. So, God, I ask that um, as a church, we would just be... Um, running to you um, and to your love for everything that we need. Remind our hearts and our minds um, of your love for us. Um, whenever we're feeling like everything is great, call us back to your love. Um, whenever we think we uh, have it all going on and we're doing a wonderful job, remind us that, um, that you are um, what's good and that you are what's, what's wonderful and beautiful. And Lord, whenever we're struggling and flopping around and life is difficult and circumstances keep beating us down and it feels like no matter what we do we can't escape father please remind us of the love that you have poured out onto us um, and lord use um use our brothers and sisters in this room this morning to encourage us and to strengthen us um, and remind us of that love um, Father, I also ask that um, as we understand your love more deeply for us, um, please help that to pour out into our lives um, boldly and overflow into the city. Uh, give us boldness to seek um, the lost and the hurting and the, the people that are forgotten that we might walk past every day. Um, that, Lord, sometimes um, we find uh, love of the world and we think that it's going to last, but, Lord, we know that... Um, Things of this world do not last. The only thing that is lasting is you. So, Father, I ask that um, this people this morning would be strengthened with your love to uh, share that transforming love um, with people that don't know it, that um, don't see that, that don't get to enjoy your goodness. Um, please empower us through that love to um, seek people that maybe we wouldn't seek or open doors that might not be opened at this point to um, pour out that love um, that you've poured out onto us, um, to uh, the people around us. And also, Lord, I ask that you would strengthen um, people that are outside of this city, just across the world, as um, Ryan has prayed, to places that are unreached and um, people that, you know, shun your name and run away from it. And Lord, I ask that this love that you have poured out onto us would strengthen people that are, um, that are, 
that you are using to minister to those people, to go after those people. Lord, please help them be reminded of um, your love each and every day and be strengthened um, through that love. So, Father, this morning I ask that you would just continue to open our eyes to the wonderful beauty that you are and the amazing, all-surpassing love that you have poured out onto us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon. If you found it helpful, we encourage you to enjoy more of our sermons, find out more information about For the City, or how to partner with us through prayer and giving at www.forthecity.church. For the City exists to magnify Jesus by making disciples who share and show the transforming power of the gospel and plant churches that multiply.